On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. Picture it, a young boy grows up in Uruguay in the 1990s. He loves the movies, Italian giallo, slashers, B-Har movies, and some of the great American directors too. Raimi, Carpenter, De Palma. Fast forward, and it seems almost natural that this same young boy would of course become a film director. Later in life, when some of his film projects didn't come to fruition, he started to think back on his childhood days spent in that big theater with over a thousand seats. He always thought it would be a great place to shoot a horror film, and so after scouting the theater, this director, Maximiliano Contenti, started to bring that idea to life. And of course, that is how our film of the week, The Last Matinee, came to fruition. So don't go out smoking any cigarettes in the rain. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Katie, welcome. Hi. And of course, I am Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast, episode 104. How are all of you radio listeners doing? Podcast world people doing. Podcast people! Oh my god, alliteration. How are you podcast people doing? How is everyone doing? I am tired. So Me I think too. that's like a common thing, though, right now. Yeah. Like, world events, the heat everything we've got the world games in alabama going on although honestly i sang at an event for it well i say for i wasn't really sure what the event was it was like an in conjunction with the world games it went really well but it was like i expected like traffic to be really bad but it's actually been pretty minimal unless you're actually going into the games and then i've heard it's a bit insane but i haven't been affected like i thought i would be so that's good um, I haven't gotten to go to anything, though, because everything's hella expensive, and you have to get, like, triple-checked by security and stuff, so I was just like, you know what? I'm okay. I don't need to spend, like, thousands of dollars on a ticket. Although they did have sumo wrestling here. And yeah. break dancing. That's awesome. I actually had two friends go to the sumo wrestling match. Oh, uh, I had some friends go, too. I was like, I should have... I should have thought ahead. That would have been fun. But yeah, I was sick the last time we recorded. And since then, I've had to test for COVID twice and been negative. Knock on wood. God bless. uh, Twice. Um, (laughs) Wear your masks, y'all. It's been crazy. And and the good thing is everyone I know who's gotten COVID recently, they all got vaccinated. So they're pretty good. The only housekeeping I wanted to say was I missed posting Instagram until really late this Monday, and I'm so sorry, because life got crazy, and I I had to go to a work lunch, which was fun. Actually, we ended up going to this restaurant that's connected to this really cool Asian market in town, and I had it, I think it was where Brittany and Taylor went for Brittany's birthday this year. Yeah, it is. And I was like, oh my god, this place is rocking. I loved it. And then, so anyways, but I got back from lunch late after the time we usually post. And I got really busy at work. And then like at, what was it, like 3.30, I texted Brittany. I was like, oh shit, I forgot to post it. Because like I do everything ahead of time. I just have to like 
post it on my lunch break usually and i didn't so sorry guys that was uh my fault uh, i just totally forgot and of course i didn't even think to remind you i'm just like sitting there at work like ah busy because you know it's like my job is crazy but mondays are the absolute craziest. yeah so when she texted me i was like oh shit i didn't even think well, twice about it and our email system was down in the morning but when we got back from lunch it was back up so i had all of this stuff to do that i hadn't had to do in the morning so sorry guys my bad um also ryan's birthday is coming up so happy birthday ryan Ryan. i think it's like next is it this week it might be this week or this week when we're recording or the week when this comes out oh i remember seeing i went to ryan's birthday party in college and we went and saw order of the phoenix no half-blood prince and i was sitting next to our friend pat and i started crying when a certain character died and i thought he was crying too and then he was like, I'm just kidding. I'm not actually crying. And laughed at me crying. It was very Aww. fun, though. So yeah. that's my Ryan birthday story. Um, it was a fun birthday party, though. I was like, hell yeah. I knew Ryan and I would be friends. Because, like, Harry Potter birthday trip? Absolutely. Happy birthday, Ryan. Happy We're so glad birthday, you're back. Ryan. Yay. We just we keep recording on Wednesdays when Ryan has other stuff going on. So uh, that's why you haven't heard him in the background. But he is still here and he is still editing. Thank God for us because we love him. But yes, um, we do love him. Day is amazing. So yeah, what have you been watching, Brett? Oh my goodness. So um, I actually got a few things in, uh, which I'm very proud of. And I'll try hey. to make them quick. So naturally, the first thing I want to say is what I know you watch too, which is Stranger Things Season 4 Part 2. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Spoilers. I balled my eyes out. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I was a little irate. Uh, spoilers, guys, please skip ahead like a minute or two if you haven't watched Part 2 of Stranger Things Season (laughs) 4. Yeah, why do the Duffer Brothers keep introducing characters in this new season just to kill them off? Like, that has been a trend every season. As soon as they start developing their character, as soon as he had that conversation in the Upside Down with Steve, I was like, one of them is dying. One of them is dying. I'm I'm calling it. I was like, I don't know. I think the... uh, And then the Dustin scene solidified. I was like, oh, now we know. Yeah. Never, never change Henderson. Never change. I was like, fuck. Like he. Although like, no. he's supposed to be in season five, the Duffer Brothers say so. Either he's a, it's like oh, a Billy thing. Well, I think what's gonna happen, and this is my hot take, is that like you know, so Max goes. I'm sorry, Eleven goes into Max's mind at the end when she's like in her coma, and there's nothing there. Yeah. It's just silence. So I think Vecna like has their souls. And I'm wondering if they defeat him, if, like, Max's soul will be released, as will, like, maybe Eddie's and Chrissy's, and maybe that's where we'll see those Chrissy, characters. Like, wake yeah. up. It's funny. I was badgering my, uh, one of my favorite co-workers had saw the first half of the first season, but hadn't watched the second half. And I was like, watch it so I can talk to you. So, like, I badgered him till he finally was like, okay, I've watched it. I can talk. All I can keep thinking of is that it makes me mad because, you know, there's this great, like, um, fucking nancy is shooting vecna with a sawed off shotgun and there's a really awesome. great there's a really great synth arrangement of running about hill is like build it build it as she's like pumping shots into him i'm like oh my god the cold chills and then hopper swinging that sword and like the heads to give yeah. it i i've watched that scene like six times because i get such a rush watching it also a master of puppets i was like oh so this oh, is yeah. the metallica song i need to be listening to okay yeah okay I, w- I will say, um, and this is my last Stranger Things before I know we have to move on, because we could probably do a whole podcast episode on the Stranger <laughs> Things finale. So there Coming is a soon. theory going around, and I am actually, I can see this theory being true. The I'm vampire not, thing? No, I'm not a big fan oh, of this theory, one. but I can see it being true. And a lot of people think that one slash Henry slash Vecna is Eleven's father. Yeah, I yeah. ignore that. Can I say something about the lovely actor who plays... Eddie, apparently yes. he took too long at a Comic-Con and he got yelled at by the <gasps> I staff. I saw that. But then the next day, all the, like, one, this little girl, this girl, oh, she's not little, she's like an adult, but she taped herself, like, thanking him. She's like, I know you got in trouble and I'm not going to speak to that, but thank you for taking the time with us and we really appreciate it. And he started crying. Yeah. And then Jamie Campbell Bauer, uh, I can't, I can never remember how many, the guy that plays Henry slash Vecna. Mm-hmm. I my little musical theater ass is laughing because 
when I saw that actor, I was like, oh, it's Anthony from the Sweeney Todd movie. Yeah. Because that's how I had seen him first. He also dated Bonnie Wright from the Harry Potter series. They were engaged and they broke up a couple years ago. I was like, oh, hey, it's Anthony. Because he was very young when he did that. But he has a really good voice. And Anthony has some very hard music because it's very high for a man. Um, and it's very light and airy for men. So it is actually like a pretty hard like, it's very falsetto-y. Yeah. Um, so it's actually very challenging uh, music. So, imp- and it's Sondheim. So impress. Sondheim is deceptively complicated. Anyways, but all these people are putting, like, <laughs> him recording that song up. Like, no one knows. And I'm like, this is what is his first, like, to me, I'm just like, yeah, I know. It's the guy from Sweeney Todd. Everyone's like, no, it's... Oh my god, he can also sing. I was like, yeah, we already knew that. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, it's just making me laugh that everyone is like, oh my god, guys, did you know that he can sing? I was like, well, yes, you, we knew that. You gotta yeah, think, what were we, I guess we were like maybe seniors in high school, freshmen in college when Sweeney Todd came out. I think it was so, college, though. Yeah, and that's what I was about to say, but we kind of knew about it, but like a lot of these kids who are maybe watching Stranger Things and they're like 14 or 15 were like children. Yeah. So it is like a completely new discovery to right. them, which is kind of cute in a way. And that's what, um, so I will say uh, the boys also aired their season three finale too. I haven't finished season three yet. I, yeah, I don't want to spoil it too two. much for you. Um, I really liked it. I thought the finale was better than the Herogasm episode. The Herogasm episode was not bad. It just got a little bit too overhyped for, it wasn't as like, I mean, there is some, there's some kinky moments that happen in the Herogasm episode. For I would sure. think so with that name. I know, but it's not, believe it or not, it's not as kinky as I thought it would be. And, but that's well. besides the point. But the finale <laughs> was really, the finale was really fun. Um, the way they set it up, I almost feel like the fourth season has to be the final season. I will say that without going into any more spoilers. Um, but I did like it. I hope you all are watching the boys. If you guys have like a dark sense of humor, it's going to be right up your alley. I laugh it's a good hysterically. Show. Yeah, I laugh hysterically. I like inappropriate shit. So that's Well, and also, like, if you like laughing at the fault of capitalism yeah. and the dude broness of superhero oh. culture um, or sports culture, like the, yeah. yeah, any of that, you will enjoy the boys. I did finish Umbrella Academy season two. Oh. But I'm still not done with season three. I'm halfway through, Uh, and I'm really liking it. Yeah. But I'm not done with it yet. I like the Sparrows. I like the Grace's turn. I think I'm glad they're giving that actress more to do, because I really liked her, and I hated that her character died halfway through the first season. I mean, she's a robot, so it's not really that big of a deal. But, like, I like that actress, and I liked her. I was like, oh, that sucks. I like that they've kept... The guy that plays... Ben. Ben. Yeah. Like, they're in a time travel, other dimension reality thing. I like that. And I really love how they handled Elliot Page transitioning. And it was really nice. I do like that they had at least one of them be like, wait, what did this happen? What? How? Why wasn't I told? And they're like, because you were, like, kidnapped, dude. And they're like, should we have a party? And I was like, that's exactly how I would react. I was like, would you like a party? This is not a real big spoiler, but have you seen uh, Victor's interaction with Luther, number one? Like, when number one sees Victor for the first time since they've, like, announced that they're Victor? Yeah, that's that what I'm ha- talking about. That's what okay. I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay, that particular... I love yeah, that Luther scene. Luther being like, should we throw you a party? Like, and he's like, like, hi. He just, like, the smile is, like, like, so sweet. Yeah, I like your yeah. hair. It suits you. It's, like, yeah. so fucking sweet. That's just the kind of person I would be, is I'd be like, can we overdo it So just just so you know that we love you? Because that's just yeah. how I react to things. I'm like... I also... <laughs> I love the Footloose moment and the... And the <gasps> oh, yeah! Oh, my God! Yeah. I can't believe I didn't mention that first. Yeah. Yes, the Footloose was the best thing. I was I had seen a preview of them rehearsing it and I was like, is there choreography? You know I love choreography. And it was so fucking hilarious and I loved it. And um it was a nice lighthearted moment and then it got really bloody. Um I like that they they're not above killing people. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, I'm liking it. Eventually I'll finish it. I needed to cleanse my brain from like sad things though because of the world. So I finally started really watching RuPaul's Drag Race, and 
I find that I like All Stars better than the regular Drag Race, which All Stars is when they ask queens that didn't win to come back. And I watched all of All Stars too because I started with a season where I knew some of the drag queens, so Katcha and Alyssa Edwards, and I feel like there was one other person that I knew beforehand. Whereas in season two, and then Trixie Mattel won season three, and I love Trixie. I love Trixie and Katcha. I love Juno Birch. I I was trying to explain to my parents all of these drag queens, which was very funny because they don't quite understand, but. I was like, see, because Juno Birch is an alien and she plays The Sims all the time. And that's why I started watching her. And she says, stunning. And uh, she's like, yes, this is happening. I love her. And Trixie Trixie is having her own retro themed motel. And I want to stay there one day um, because I love it. Anyways, I love Trixie and Katja. So I finally started watching RuPaul's Drag Race in earnest. And I really, really like it. It's hilarious. Um, and I cried a couple times because, like, Alyssa Edwards got eliminated, like, on the anniversary of their mom dying. And it was, like, a family episode where uh, their sister came to, um, like, get made up and they competed. And it was, like, Alyssa shouldn't have gotten eliminated. She actually shouldn't have, but she did. And, um, like, it was like they were talking about their mom, how she would love to be there. And I was just, like, crying. I was like, I'm crying over RuPaul's Drag Race. But then, like, someone was, like, Crystal LeBeige from uh, Paris is Burning. And for Snatch Game, I was like, I know who that is because I have watched Paris is Burning. And it's great. And they did a dead-on perfect job. Anyways, if you just want to watch something fun and campy but has some heart to it, I highly recommend RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, I guess we should get ready to go on to the movie. Now, I yes. know we talked about it being on Showtime, and Taylor was just like, I was like, And also Shudder, also- apparently? It is on Shudder, which is where I watched it. Because Taylor yes. was like, I'm not subscribing to Showtime again. And I was like, why did you undo my Showtime subscription? Luckily, I searched Apple TV, and it said open in Shudder app. And I'm like, thank God, because I do have the Shudder app. You know what the funny thing is? When I clicked on it on my Amazon it said Shutter, and then when I started playing, it's like through your Showtime app, and I was like, "What?" I was like, "Y'all make up your mind. Who who am I paying to see this movie?" Yeah, but yeah, so it's it's Shutter and Showtime. The last matinee, or the Spanish name Al Morir la Matinee, which also apparently like it was called a bloody matinee too. Interesting. Like, when I was looking up on YouTube, there was, like, a Spanish version that, like, had a different thing. It was, like, a bloody matinee. And I was like, okay. Um, So, the movie this week is The Last Matinee. It is a 2020 Spanish-language Uruguayan film, which is cool because we've never done a film from Uruguay that I remember. And it was directed and partially written by Maximiliano Contenti. He goes by Maxi. So we're just going to say Maxi. Again, any non-English names, I'm apologizing in advance for mispronouncing. Yes, me too. Although I did take eight years of Spanish, so I should know better. But do I? I don't know. So apologize for my ignorance. He actually founded a production company in 2013 called Yuko Films. And the location that this movie takes place in, where it was actually filmed, kind of brought about the film, the Cine Opera in Montevideo, Uruguay, which is his hometown, which is, I think, the biggest. Is it the capital city or the biggest? I think it's the capital city of Uruguay. um, Or it's like the most, it's the biggest city in Uruguay. Which I found hilarious because it's still an operating theater. And it's been in operation for decades. And right now, it's currently screening Buzz Lightyear and Thor Love and Thunder, as well as the Minions movie. Oh, I okay. And see, I thought in the interview, I read with him at close. They used two theaters to film it. One for the outer part was okay. Cine Opera that's still around. But I okay. think the interior one was a different theater that I never got the name of in both of the interviews I watched. So that maybe that one's the one. I think that must be the one, the thousand seat one is the one that closed because that's the one he went to as a kid. So, yeah. Yeah. So he was he said that uh, they almost lost Cine Opera while they were filming because they were, you know, live and functioning. But they were lucky to be able to shoot in 24 days. And he he does um, love his film influences are Cronenberg Terry Gilliam, 
Kubrick, Spielberg, who oh, I put an extra E in that name, uh, Brian De Palma, Carpenter, and then Mario Bava, Fulci, and Argento. Mm. Um, but he's way more into American directors than Italian directors. But this is a send up to both 80s slashers and Italian giallo. Y'all know we love giallo. We love, we love us some suspiria and i would call I, I do believe we call black christmas a bit of a giallo too it's the yeah it's the shadowed killer with the black gloves and lots of vibrant colors and like very artistic shots in these kills yeah. and very creative kills that's what he described this as neo giallo himself so and i thought it was interesting too because he's also now working on a documentary about the oldest jacks club of latin america and he yeah. says his father is in the documentary because he was a trumpet player. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. So, like, he's also still working, doing his thing. He does say he has a couple of horror movies lined up after the documentary. So that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And he also co-wrote with Manuel Foucault, mm -hmm. who has written and directed Fiesta Nibiru, High Five, and Achiro's 1 and 2. Yes. Which is cool. It is really cool. Also, Ricardo Isla, who plays our killer, actually directed the movie that's playing in the cinema. Yes. Called Frankenstein, Day of the Beast. I think it's hilarious because that movie was released in 2011, but the, yeah. the movie, The Last Matinee, takes place in 1993. So they're watching a 2011 movie in a 1993 Yeah, setting. that's my, I'm just going to go ahead and say my one con with this movie is that I was like, oh, we could have done Evil Dead. We could have done... There's so many movies you could have shown. I know that he directed that one, but y'all... like It's also one that interesting because Ricardo's been a director for years now, too, so yeah. I don't know why they just didn't do, like, an earlier film, too. That would have been cool. Also, so they only had a 24-day shoot and only a five-person crew. Wow. Quite, I mean, actually, you know what? That sounds about right if you're doing small independent, but that is crazy for such a, like, intense movie. They did all practical effects, and the effects team apparently was top-notch, and they actually had to cast, recast two main characters right before shooting. One wow. of them, like, two weeks before shooting. That's insane. Or a couple days. Yeah. Because, like, they just had conflicts come up. That's a lot. I I did hear Ricardo say everything in this movie was practical effects, too, which is yes. really cool. I really like that. One of the interviews asked Ricardo, like, hey, what were the certain things that are eaten? I won't spoil it here. Uh, what was it made out of? And he never did, he he didn't hear the guy ask, so he didn't answer. So is there anything else we haven't covered before we get into spoilers? I think that's pretty much everything. There wasn't as many interviews as I wish there could have been. The interviews that, they, that I could find, there was a lot of great information, but it just wasn't a lot of interviews, so. Yeah, and unfortunately this movie suffered from the pandemic because it was released in 2020 and then... Uh, Ricardo Isla said he's never even gotten to see it in a theater because of it only being able to stream. So I think this would be a really good movie to see in a theater. So if anyone's playing it in a theater near you, you should go see it. This is a really good movie. I would highly recommend watching it, um, especially if you're a fan of Jalo. It's not a super long movie. It's not a slow moving movie. It's very, I mean, once it starts, it keeps going at a pretty good pace. So yeah. I would say, I, I would feel like I wish I had watched this with more people because I feel like it would be more fun because the kills are very interesting. So yeah, that's true. Uh, so anyways, um, so anyways, so we're going to call spoilers. If you haven't watched this movie yet, go watch it and check back with us at the end. We start out in 1993. It's a rainy day in Montevideo, Uruguay. Um, we see a barely visible shadowy figure sitting alone in a car, chomping on some kind of pickled treat. And it's honestly rather vile. He is played by... I apologize okay. in advance if I mispronounce the name. So Ricardo Islas? I think it's Islas. Like, Islas? Like, like Isla, uh, whatever, the, you know, like the islands in Jurassic Park. So he plays he plays the killer who they call Asimo Comijos. I didn't write that character name now i just wrote the killer that's what like they technically like his imbd title so it's like yeah. but yeah he's the killer so like we said before he's the director of the movie within the movie frankenstein day of the beats uh he also directed other films such as the sacrifice bachelor's grove zombie farm the day of the dead lockout and night Fangs. 
Uh, he also writes the screenplay for most of his films. And he said Max, he actually approached him. He thought he'd mm-hmm. be perfect for the character based on the movies he made in the 90s. So he, mm-hmm. I, to my knowledge, he was the first and only actor that was ever approached for this role. So he goes and buys a ticket for the last matinee of the day um, from the box office. And um, as he's walking up the stairs, all these children are leaving the children's matinee. And one of them very artfully drops a bag of gumballs. I did want to say this since we mentioned it being Ryan's um, birthday. So Ryan's birthday is on July 18th. The movie actually takes place on July 18th. Which I think is <gasps> funny. Happy birthday, Ryan. Ryan, cut that if you're not comfortable with us sharing your birthday. Yeah. But keep it in if you are. Yeah, if um, you are comfortable, Ryan, I just thought that would be a fun bit of trivia for you. So Fun fact! Yeah, fun fact. Fun that's, fact. What the t- that's what the day of the ticket says. It's July 18th, 1995. So, or, uh, yeah, 1993. Three, I'm sorry, guys. So, yeah. yeah. Go on, Katie. So, just Oh, no, fact. you're good. You're good. I love the fun facts. Yeah. Um, but he very artfully drops th- this bag of gumballs, and, you know, they're colorful, and they're falling down the stairs, and the villain picks up one of the little round gumballs and hands it to the kid before his mom's like, come here! And I was like, that was a gr- it was a great shot. Anyways, so he goes into the theater. He has a big bag, and he's wearing black gloves, and he's wearing a big jacket. And it is raining, so you're like, okay, like, at least there's a reason for him to be wearing a big jacket. So not super suspicious, but he looks creepy. So we have a young woman named Anna yes. um, who comes in to check on her dad, the projectionist named Hugo. Uh, but Anna's played by Luciana Grasso, who was in The Nice Belong to Monsters, Bionica and El Secretario de Julia. And then her father, who is played by Hugo Blanda Muro, who was in The Last Train, mm-hmm. The Pope's Toilet, and In This Tricky Life. I love the name The Pope's Toilet. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. So Hugo is the projectionist, and Anna needs to study for an important exam. Um, she stops by the box office to talk to Maria, who's played by... Yuli Yuli Ambura, yeah, and so Aramburu, Aramburu. There we go. And I will say this: so a lot of these actors, this is their only credit, or they have like this and one other credit. There's nothing wrong with that. I love it. They're getting their start. They're getting their name out there. Uh, her only other credit was Rey Locos y Respasados. Respasados. I like Maria. She has cute red like cat eye glasses and mm. she's like that coworker who's just like of course this person didn't show up so she tells anna first of all she says anna like oh i guess you're the only one who checked the weather report and anna's like because it's raining and she has an umbrella no one else does and she's like didn't they see the clouds and she's like the only thing anyone ever sees is the crappy movies we show which i think is hilarious because the movie the theater in question is currently playing the minions movie which Apparently is off. Is, a lot of people said they didn't like it, and there's the whole thing with the gentle minions, where people are dressing up in suits to go watch a minions movie, um, just to meme it, you know. So I was just like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you knew, you knew. Anyways, so um, she tells her that her father's relief, Javier, called out because apparently Javier just does it all the time. So fuck Javier, but also. Good for Javier because of what ensues. Hugo is like apparent like at some point he must have had like a heart attack or something in the theater because he coughs and like she, when she goes checking her dad she's like I don't want to find you on the floor again you can't work ten hour shifts he's like oh it's fine she's like nope it's not I've already had Maria call you a cab he's like but you have to study for your exam and Anna's like well I'll watch the movie while I study not a big deal and so she makes him leave. And apparently her dad's worked at this theater her whole life. And so she knows it like the back of her hand. So she's going to study for her exam. And it doesn't really say if she's, I assume she's in college. Because yeah. she doesn't seem high school age. But she doesn't like. Well, they, he, says like, she, he says she's studying for an engineering degree, right? He's like, she's going to be an engineer. That's what, like, I missed it the second time. I was trying to watch it. And that was like, I couldn't understand. I didn't understand. I didn't hear which part. Yeah. By here, I mean read the subtitles, but but it was an important exam, and I assumed it was college. So she sends her dad away, and on the way out, he tells the attendant, Maurizio, um, to check on his daughter. Yes, Maurizio is played by Pedro Duarte Guramendez, and so he was actually born in Montevideo, 
And according to his IBD, he was in so much water, which is his only other IB, IMBD credit. But he's actually a native too. So I thought that was cool. That is cool. So uh, I guess we'll go ahead. So Mauricio's like, he's probably like a little older than Anna, but not that much older than her. So slowly but surely, a lot of people start not a lot, but, like, there's a few groups that filter in to see this matinee. There are, there's a little boy named Tomas who has snuck in. He was in the children's one, and he stayed in because he wants to watch the horror movies. Yes. And that's Franco Duran, and his only other credit was two episodes of the TV series Love, with the E being a three. And then we've got a, uh, a couple... It must be early on in their relationship because it seems like not a first date, but not not like a relationship yet. It's Gabriella and Horatio. Yeah, Gabriella is played by Patricia Porzio, who she actually had a few different IMB credits. So she's a producer too, and she produces a lot of the movies she's acted in. I'm gonna butcher this, but she's known for El Maravilloso Hulister, and that was a TV series. Uh, she also was in Neptuna. And Escala de Contagé, and she produced a lot of these, including the TV miniseries Hotel Romanov. So, Romanov. And then Horatio is played by Emmanuel Silbre, who played in the TV miniseries Yoshi, the Regretful Spy, the Regretful Spy, which I like the title of, yeah. as well as the Year of Fury and Fiesta Nibiru. Nibiru. Oh, which is what our writer directed. Yeah. Manuel Facal. And then we've got a group of teenagers, Goni, Angela, Angela. I'm going to say Angela because I feel like I'm mispronouncing Angela. Um, but they have a hard G when they say her name. It sounds much prettier in Spanish. Um, and Esteban or T. Esteban's got a nickname named T, but um, they don't really say their name very often. So, <laughs> Yeah. And so Angela is Julieta Spinelli whose other credit was one episode of the TV series Porn and Ice Cream, which is another great title. Right. And then Esteban is Bruno Salviati, and Goni is Vladimir Konosevs, and so this is currently their only IMBD credit. It might be Nazovs. Gos- I don't know. Gosses? Nazovs? Nazovs, Can- yeah. That sounds like it sure. could be right. Tell us if we're wrong. Yes, I know please. we have some South American listeners, according to our analytics, so... Please tell us. <laughs> send us a whole message like, no, no. Send us a voice it, it, memo over Instagram. Absolutely just not. butchered all of this, guys. Butchered it. And then we also have a stood-up teenager, um, like a girl who was supposed to meet a date, but her date doesn't show up, who they affectionately call Brooke Shields, but her actual name is Mate? M-A-I-T-E? Yes. And is it Diana Carigi? Diana Carigi? Yeah. Carigi, I think. This is her this is her first film credit as well. Yes. And there's also I did not write these two actors down. There's two older gentlemen as well in the movie. One of them, like Tomas, has snuck in from the first film and the other one is comes in to see this movie. Yeah, and unfortunately I don't think I wrote them down either. That they I couldn't figure out what their first names were. Yeah. Because a lot of the cast members, this is like their first film, they don't have IMDb pictures. So some of them were tagged in the pictures on IMDb and some of them weren't. The ones who were tagged, I was like, oh, okay, it's that person. But that's how I was figuring out who played who. Because they don't say everyone's name super often. I think Anna, Maurizio, Maria, and... Angela are probably the and and Tomas are probably the only ones I remember them saying out loud. Everyone else was like implied, except for I think they said Goni once. So that's our group of people watching this movie. And one of the older gentlemen, the guy with the beard, gets frustrated and ends up leaving. The one who was staying in after one movie. So the teenagers are talking about this girl on the bus who bust bus. Uh, who the two boys were into, because there's two guys and a girl, and um, they nickname her Brooke Shields, because she kind of looks like Brooke Shields from the movie Blue Lagoon. I have, unfortunately, seen that movie. It's a weird film, but it kind of shot Brooke Shields to stardom. Maurizio, which I cannot tell if he's, like, older brother to Anna, or if he's trying to hit on her. 
because he seems a little old for her, but not like not criminally old for her. Like he's not old. He's like in his 20s. I feel like he's definitely trying to hit on her. And then when she kind of like rejects his advances, he's like, if you're going to work here, you better be nice to me. So that makes me feel like, like, oh, I feel like the yeah. sibling, the sibling energy would be like, okay, have at it then. Good, you know, like, yeah, gently chiding. And he didn't seem like he was chiding her. It seems like he got irritated with her when she was like, okay, go away. So he checks in on her and he's like super distracting. He's like, give me my smokes. Oh, What's your what's your astrological sign? Capricorno? I love that it's Capricornico instead of just Capricorn. I love it. And he's like, ah, oh, yes, here. But he does say a really foreboding thing that's like, only you can escape the challenges of today. And I was like, oh, ooh, foreboding. But since Anna is too into studying, he leaves to go smoke outside. And she locks the door behind him because she's like, I need to study Fuck this. Um, and he exits through the lobby for a smoke break, pausing to receive the keys from Maria as she goes home. And in the theater, our killer claims his first victim, the older man with the hat, not the bearded one that had left. And it goes completely unnoticed by the other patrons, but there is a really gory, like, shot of, like, his blade going through, like, a skull and, like, all the innards. And it's red and gross. And, and I, I love like, the way it's shot... Because it, it focuses on Tomas, like it focuses on the kid watching the movie, and you mm-hmm. see it like you see it in the background and it's out of focus, but you know like he's killing the old man, and it's like the yeah. kid is so invested in the movie he has no idea what's happening, like a few rows right. behind him. And the first few kills he kills while like something loud is happening in the movie, so people don't realize what's happening. Which yeah. I was like, ooh, nice, nice, just mwah, good, mwah, mwah, great. Later, which I'm skipping ahead a little bit just to get this part out of the way, Maurizio is also claimed as a victim as mm-hmm. he's smoking. Um, I thought his death was really cool. I felt kind of bad for Maurizio because he didn't seem like a total jackass. Just annoying. Um, but he slices his throat while he's smoking, so all like the cigarette smoke, smoke comes out of his throat, which I thought was a really cool um, addition. But, like, also, yeah, and all the colors are, like, red and is neon green. And so there's a shot of him dropping his cigarette and it falling on the ground. It was just really artfully filmed. And I really liked that. And the killer breaks the safety door, the roller door. Like, you know, those ones that are, like, garage doors or, like, storage doors? Like, he breaks it so everyone is trapped inside now. I did notice that the couple that we fixate on for a little bit, uh, on the date are kind of oddly matched like she's he seems to be really out of his depth yeah with her like she is like super like in control of the situation like i feel like if she said jump he'd at, just ask how high basically yeah but it's a it's like a cool little thing like before Maurizio is killed she's smoking in the theater and he's like excuse me ma'am can you please put out that cigarette and she she does but she puts it out like all over the chair and then like after he leaves she just lights another cigarette and yeah like, damn girl and i love that she's like oh i gotta go to my aunt's birthday party and i was like oh my god she hates him because he's like yeah I, I don't even know what this movie's about and she's like you took me to a movie that you don't know anything about he's like well i do that sometimes and apparently she's like oh she's must have well i don't really blame her but she's very like sex positive i guess because she's very much like yeah i guess we're... i i thought she didn't like him and that's why she was saying the birthday thing but obviously she does because she gives him like an over the pants hand job which is hilarious because <laughs> it's hilarious and not hilarious because while a murder's going on, he has an orgasm all over his pants. And that yeah. part is pretty hilarious. But also, innocent people are getting killed at the same time. But it's funny, because, like, then he has to go clean up his pants. Which I was like, yeah, that's awkward. Like, that's why one of the reasons I would always be like, why would you do that in a public place? And I love it, because why this is happening. So it's like, so... Goni sees the Brooke Shields girl. He's talking uh-huh. to her. She's been stood up by her boyfriend. And they start to kiss. And he's he tells her it's like his first kiss. So they're kissing. She's like, I don't believe you. I don't but believe she, you. Like, they're both equally into this. This is very yeah. consensual. Yeah, I think she very... actually goes in for the kiss first. She does. Because she goes, he goes, I never approached a girl like this. And she's like, so you never done anything like this? And she kisses him. And it's so like, oh, it's, it's like. On. 
So this is going on. Horatio's getting a hand job. And meanwhile, poor Tomas is so scared by the movie, he pees all over himself. And this is all going on at the same time. And the killer literally, like you said, as Horatio is coming, the killer puts a, like, pipe through Goni and the it's girl's It's like a head. pipe with a, like, a handle on it. I think it was part of a railing. Yeah. I want to say. Because it's like, it has, a, like, a, a ring at the top. And then it's like a long iron skewer and he skewers them together in an eternal makeout session yep which looks cool but i felt bad because they're literally children yeah i mean they're teenagers but still like i'm like oh that's awful but it is it is pretty funny that horatio orgasms all over his pants because i was like yeah and then gabrielle was like oh sorry uh but I didn't think we'd have enough time with my aunt's birthday party and stuff. So it's like, oh, so she just felt bad. I was like, but she seems to be enjoying herself. So I was like, all right. I mean, Anna, I mean, Gabriella, like, go, girl. So he goes to the restroom. Meanwhile, Anna is, there's an alarm clock that goes off. Like, she starts noticing some stuff, but then there's an alarm clock that goes off. And so she's distracted and she goes downstairs to look for Maurizio to tell her how to uh, turn the alarm clock off. And she ends up just beating it on the wall. I was like, I mean, same. And um, she runs into Horatio, who's yeah. like, where's the bathroom? And she's like, um, it's right up there. She's like, oh, there's a stand in your pants because he tripped on his way and uh, got some of Maurizio's blood on him. But he doesn't know that because it was like on his the back of his pants. And... He's like, oh, yeah, uh, thanks, because uh, he thinks she's talking about his cum stain. Yeah, I was surprised they actually, like, put that on the, like, they show that. Yeah. Like, they don't, it's not that graphic, but it's like, there's a giant stain. <laughs> I was like, is the lighting weird? Or, like, that's quite a load <laughs> that was shot. Yeah. I mean, like, there we go. But it was pretty funny. I, I honestly applaud the movie for being like that. Also, there's a child in this movie, but I don't think he was there for any of those scenes. Actually, yeah. he was because he runs into Tomas and he's like, what oh, are yeah. you doing here? Um, And Tomas just runs out of the bathroom stall. He says you got something on your face because literally there's a scene in the movie where little Tomas is so preoccupied with the movie he smashes a chocolate bar into his face yeah. instead of his mouth. He's like, you got something on and then Tomas takes off and he's like, okay, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> the stall of stains. Yes, stains. Yes. Yeah, so Horatio, uh, and I'm so sorry, like, I know I wrote down the scene, but I'm also like, where am I at? Because I was listening to you oh, talk, yeah. too. Um, oh, so he's he's trying to wash the, yeah. the stain off his pants. Yes. He doesn't know about the blood stain on the back of his pants. Yeah, and that's what he hears someone coming in the bathroom, and I guess he's embarrassed about, like, trying to wash, like, the front of his pants where his penis is. So, in the weirdest decision ever, he stands on top of a toilet. That's already well, That was the blood. He was, like... Sp- taking that off too i think the second time i watched it i think i get what his thinking was he did the the front of his pants and then he sees the blood on his back pocket he's like oh shit and there's a roll of toilet paper that's almost empty on the sink and so he goes into the bathroom stall to get more toilet paper because the first time i was like why did you wash your dick (laughs) in the sink and not the bathroom stall but (laughs) like but the blood on your pants and i was like Oh, but it's the weird thing is, is, like when he hears the footsteps, he stands on top of the toilet. But it's like yeah, a that bath- was weird. Yeah, it's like a well, because there's like water on the floor. Yeah, but I was also like, wouldn't you just get into a different stall? Yeah, exactly. But... Like if I see a dirty stall, I just move to the next stall. But he stands on top of the toilet, and that's when the killer reaches over and like slams him and knocks him down, and he slams his face against the the bathroom floor multiple times. But then the tooth him. flies out. Yeah, it's very violent because it's like done in like a slow motion type thing mm-hmm. too. But to finish him off, he puts him on the toilet, and he just like plays with him for a moment, like runs his like. Uh-huh. Knife traces it and then just stabs him in the heart. Just like Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> so Anna, meanwhile, starts looking around and she notices blood on the newspapers that the killer used to clean his knife after killing Maurizio. And she's like, that's that's suspicious. Yeah. So <laughs> she and then she sees Tomas running into the theater. So she follows him. But then she gets distracted because there's even more blood on the railing. And she's like, huh, huh. That is also suspicious. But then she gets distracted and is like, everything's fine. You're going crazy. 
Let's go back to studying. Yeah. But in the theater, Angela notices that Goni and Brooke Shields haven't moved. And she's like, mm-hmm. that's weird. They're still making out. And they haven't moved. And Esteban's like, it's fine. She's like, no, I'm going to go check on him. Because Angela's a good friend. Meanwhile, the killer just walks up and stabs Gabriella through the heart. And yeah. the eye. Yeah. Which they were like, poor Gabrielle. She's just sitting there waiting for Horatio to return. And then Angela discovers that Goni and Brooke Shields are dead. And she screams. And then Esteban tries to meet her and run. Then he gets caught by the killer, who, like, viciously stabs him in the back. I felt really bad for Esteban, who kind of looks like Jonah Hill. In yeah, I thought like that, too. Got- yeah. I was like, hey... It's, yeah, it's Uruguayan Jonah Hill over here. Yeah, definitely. Or at least like super bad Jonah Hill, like when he was younger. Yeah, and poor Anna, she assumes because the film, like the film runs out. So she assumes that the deaf screens are just complaints. So she's like, okay, yes. like she's changing the film. But out, then like. she finally looks up and she sees like, oh, something is very wrong. Yeah. And so she goes down and she sees the violence and she heads downstairs and I love her discovery of all the victims because up until then, you've seen him, like, kill people. You haven't seen the aftermath or any of the bodies, like, in full light. And because she's walking around, the first victim had a hat over his eyes. Well, his eyes are gone when his hat is removed. Yeah. There's just – and you're like, that's weird. And everybody's eyes have been plucked out. And you're like, oh, that's weird. So apparently something is going on with eyeballs. So, Angela discovers the broken garage door after she's run out into the lobby, and the killer comes towards her in the lobby, and she does something really smart and takes the fire extinguisher and first sprays him in the face to blind him, then runs away, but she keeps it with her so she can throw it at him. Yeah. And she runs into the, the theater, and she and Anna struggle with him, but they knock him out with the fire extinguisher and lock, and take one of the um velvet rope, what do you call it? The, the, the velvet yeah. part of the velvet rope and tie it to keep the doors shut but they don't realize they forget that T- Tomas is in there so they're trying to get the keys from Maurizio's body and I will say like Anna really does seem really sad about Maurizio yeah well I think she also realizes that he has the keys the killer has the keys too because when she sees Maurizio's dead body she's like oh shit he has the keys but he doesn't yeah oh but like that the killer doesn't have the keys yeah he doesn't have the keys okay that's right it's on, they're on Maurizio's body okay but that's he must right. have had them at some point so Angela smashes a glass because she's impatient and then Anna's like no like you're cutting your hands up just wait I have the keys and she opens the keys she opens the door and they find that the phone is gone. So at some point, the killer had his keys and put it back on Maurizio's body yeah. and took the phone somewhere. Oh, wait, no. Um, oh, I'm remembering now. No, she is what it is in uh, freaking Angela's haste. She breaks the phone because she she actually remember they go inside and it's broken in the phone booth. And she's like, there's another one in the projection room. Oh, I thought it was just gone. Yeah. No, I think it's like that she broke it because she freaks oh, out. okay. Yeah, so I do remember now. That's making more sense. But I forgot well, that she got the keys off the body, so. You guys watch it and tell which one of us remembered correctly. Because now I'm like, either one works. But yeah. the phone is not going to work. Yes. And so they start heading up to the projection booth. And, you, and Tomas has tried to sneak out. And the killer has woken up and he's chasing Tomas through the theater, which is it just me, or did it remind you a little bit of Inglorious Bastards when they're oh, yeah. like running behind the projection booth? And a I was like, bit. oh shit! So that's like the only other movie where people are just, uh, I guess, and Gremlins. Anyways, so Angela runs upstairs and Anna runs into the theater. She lets Tomas out, who's pretty much already handling the situation himself, and gra- takes the piece of glass she grabbed from the broken window. And yells, you crazy fuck, and stabs the killer in the eye before running upstairs to join Angela and Tomas. And then, as they're trying to call the police, the killer does the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do when your eye pops out of the socket. So here's the thing. I worked for an eye doctor for, like, nine years. And I remember vividly one of the optometrists telling me the first thing they tell you on day one of optometry school is if somebody comes into your office with their eyeball falling out, pop it back in and then send them to the surgeon. And I was like, well, I don't have that degree. So that is your job, dude. I will not be doing that, but you can do that. So he does the opposite of what you're supposed to do and 
cuts his optic nerve? I call it he hostled his own eyeball. So in Hostel, she does get her eyeball burned, but the guy cuts the, the artery. So he cuts it for yeah. her because it's hanging out of her socket. So that's, that's the optic nerve. So yeah. You're not, you're, I was oh, like, yeah, nerve, sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a bundle of nerves and arteries, but it's like that big. It's, the, it's yeah. what makes you see, basically. Yeah. It connects your eye to your brain. But it just reminds me of that yeah. because he, like, tells the girl, like, because he's trying to help her. And he's like, hold still, hold still, hold still. And he cuts it for her. And that's why I'm like, dude, did he just hostile his own eyeball? But yeah, that's what yeah. he does. He did. So, and that's the wrong move in both of those situations. You pop it back in and you go to the surgeon. That's that's just my that's just my fun fact of the day. I hope that doesn't happen to anyone though. Yes. Anyways, back to the movie. So he severs his optic nerve. Oh. And Anna does call the police though. She does. Smart girl. Um and then the killer tries to knock down the door and he does. And then he reveals why he's been cutting out everyone's eyeballs. Apparently with an ice cream scoop, the scariest ice cream scoop I've ever seen. Yeah, and this part was almost like, I'm not saying that this movie didn't give off a goofy vibe up until this point, but this is where it got really, really goofy for me. Because, like, he's literally already, like, he has an eyeball in his mouth. He, like, winks at them. Like, he winks at them, and then, like, he pops it in between his teeth. And it's like, aren't you in, like, very awful pain at the moment, sir? But, yeah, he has his little jar full of eyeballs, and he uh, he's snacking on them. They're his little snacks. Yeah. It's, it's, I love it. It yeah. honestly made me really grossed out when he ate it. Um, yeah. Like, my stomach was churning. I was like, ugh, that's gross. I was like, also, they can't taste that good if they haven't been pickled for like more than a couple minutes. So it must have been like an old one he had at the bottom. You know what else is funny is that, okay, so I already thought this scene was kind of goofy and funny, but then Anna literally tries to shield little Tomas's eyes and he keeps looking yes, around Yes, the whole it. time. Yeah. It's like, so cute. Oh, and later oh, she's like, just look at the floor when they have to go back in the cinema. She's like, look at the floor, Tomas. I'm like, Kid has already seen people murdered. I think he's okay. Yeah. Like, oh, he's as okay as he's going to be at this point. Yeah. But so Tomas flees further into, like, I think Angela throws something at yeah, him. Yeah, she knocks some of the film canisters over to, like, I yeah. guess, create a distraction. And she runs towards the roof and Anna chases Tomas further into the building. And Angela almost gets away. Yeah. She gets to the roof, and he pulls her down, and then he sticks her head into the projector and slams the door into her head. So the projector is filled with blood and is now projecting a picture of blood onto the screen in the cinema, which just makes everything, like, cooler looking. Yeah, it's a cool visual effect, for sure. It is. But I feel really bad for Angela, because I really liked her. Well, you know what the thing is? And she was, like, a little tough girl. I also, like, you understand, like, people get scared and they make irrational decisions. But the thing is, if they had stayed together, there's safety in numbers, because when one of them was being attacked, the other one could attack him. So as soon as, like, exactly. she splitted, yeah. Tomas fucked it up by running yeah. away. Or Angela fucked it up by going by herself. Yeah. I don't know. It sucks. Anyways, yeah. So then it's kind of a final showdown yeah. where they're in the cinema trying to find a weapon. And Anna gets the iron rod from the skewered lovers. Mm-hmm. Brick Shields and Goni. Yes. And they still don't see the killer. So they're like, okay, maybe he's gone. And she starts, she sends Tomas down first. And then she starts sneaking down the stairs. And he, like, slices her back. And she's like, oh, no. And it's, like, slow motion. And you see, I don't know, I can't remember if this happens first or after. But he, like, drops his jar of eyeballs. Yes. And the eyeballs, like, fall down the stairs like the gumballs in the beginning. And that was, like, ooh, artistically done. And as he's, like, falling... She takes the iron skewer and skewers him. Yeah. Yeah. And then she tells Tomas not to look. And then the police come with the old man who left before. With yeah. The beard. And he's like looking shocked. Because of course like they open the door and the first thing they see is dead bodies. Like it's like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> bodies, bodies everywhere. And then Anna's like telling Tomas, she's like, don't look. And she's holding him. And meanwhile, he's just staring at the eyeballs. On the carpet. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. It's, there's yeah. a lot of eyeballs. A lot of eyeballs. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of the movie. 
this movie. Um, it's cute. I like it. And it's very Jala looking. I love how the movie looks. It's so pretty and gross. Very gross at times. Yeah. I really did get kind of sick when it came to him eating the eyeball for some reason. I was like, I don't know why. I think because it's so fresh, too. Yeah. I'm like, and you're killing all these people just to eat their eyeballs? Can't you just work at a morgue and collect eyeballs that way? Yeah. I mean, I guess there's like a frill in the actual murdering of people, though. I feel like maybe he didn't need to eat it. Like, maybe just keep the eyeballs as a trophy. But then you have the trophy and then you eat the trophy. Annoying. Also, harder to catch you as a serial killer. Even Dexter has his little blood slides. Yeah. I mean, jeez. It's very, very interesting. I was like, why the eyeballs? But that's the thing. It's like, he's kind of like, you really don't know the motivation. It's not like a lot of our modern horror movies now, like, you know, they're usually some kind of social commentary or there's like a clear motivation. And with these like traditional slasher films, there's just really no motivation. We don't really know anything about him, which makes him almost scarier in a way. Jalo, I think, does that more than like the 80s slasher. Because the 80s slasher, you know, we know why Freddy's killing kids. We know why Jason is killing kids. We know why Cropsey's killing kids. But we don't know why the guy in Black Christmas is killing people. We just know that he escaped an asylum. We don't know. Was it the canary with the black plumage? What is it? Oh, the crystal something crystal plumage. Crystal plumage. Yeah. That one. That's like one of the first Jalos. And then um, all the Argento movies. We don't really know. We don't really know. So yeah. And that's kind of what makes it it makes it scary. Now I do like the idea that they humanized him. That it's actually like it's an actor. Like you see his face. Like Mm -hmm. it's an actual person versus them trying to create something supernatural or some kind of monster oh yeah yeah i liked that i thought it was a, I like that it had the look of a giallo but it had the relentless kill count of a slasher i mm-hmm. thought it was a nice marriage between the two but i love the art design and i love how it was shot and i love all the vibrant colors and i love the eyeball reveal like it had me curious since i saw him eating something in his car i was like why is he eating pickles in his car yeah, and the water is, is definitely like that? green. In the beginning, that's what makes it makes you think that it is pickles because the water is all green and stuff. But then it turns red because yeah. of the redness. Um, and I thought all the performances were good too. Everyone looked real, and everyone did a good job. I like that everyone had a little story, but they didn't give you so much exposition that it became an exposition dump. Like it was just like, oh, you could kind of infer stuff like. Oh, they're on a date, but it's not like a first date. But they haven't done a lot of physical stuff yet. Because when he, because after Horatio Mount Vesuviuses himself, he goes to the bathroom and like, she likes me. Yeah. So I was like, that's cute. And then he gets murdered. I also like, I love and hate that nobody is safe. Yeah. And the kills were also super creative. They were very creative. Yeah. The art design and how stylized it was, I think it's definitely like one of the stronger suits of the film, if not the strongest suit yeah. of the film. Was there anything you didn't like about the movie? Nothing like that. I was just like, it was, there was nothing that was a deal breaker for me. I thought it was fun. Uh, Once again, I don't see me like revisiting this movie over and over again like it's one of those movies like i enjoyed it it was fun i like that it was a short romp because it was like literally like an hour and 28 minutes it's very stylized like you said the kills are good the actors are unknown to me that makes it more believable when you don't recognize Mm -hmm. the faces but yeah there's just to me it wasn't one of those movies that i just see myself seeking out again and again and because it's like the italian giallo uh it's like i don't i know there's people who like that kind of film but it's not something that i think is easily recommendable recommendable to people either I like it because it's so pretty. Yeah. Even though it's like awful things are happening. So I guess that's why I really like movies that look like Jalos, even mm-hmm. if they're not following that plot line. I just like the style of it. So I really, I really liked it. Did you give it a rating out of 10? I did. So I gave it a 7. I think, I know this is not his directorial debut, um, but I know he's still kind of a, this is like one of his first movies. I'm really curious to see what he could do. I like, I like I said, stylized. It's beautiful. It's definitely a pretty movie. The gore, the blood. It's very pretty to watch. I do like the idea of like the theater. I like it that it's like a closed space, so you can't really escape mm-hmm. from it. I do like that aspect too, because in the way, it's nothing like The Shining, but it's still that kind of same format where you're stuck. But yeah, so I think it. I think it's a fun movie. I'm really curious to see what he does next. Yeah, I actually gave it an eight out of ten because I literally had no negatives other than 
the Frankenstein film being too modern yeah. for this film. Everything else was like picture perfect. And I didn't expect it. And I thought it was fun. It is fun. Definitely not. I, I wouldn't call that. it like hereditary or midsummer brilliance, but like I rarely, if ever, have only one negative for a movie. So. Yeah. That's why it's an 8 out of 10 for me. But again, I don't know if I'll rewatch this movie a thousand times, but I mm-hmm. thought it was really well made. I was highly impressed. And there's a reason this has such a high rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Did you have a Grindhouse Girls rating for it, Brett? I did. So I, uh, I rated it C for cigarettes, clocks, chocolate, and cum stains. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I was, I was, okay, so I was having a hard time with this one this week. I had rated E for erratic moviegoers and eyeball snacks, and then I was like, I hate that. So then I was like, rated S for scoops, severed nerves, and shh, because you're in a movie, and shh. That's cute. And then <laughs> the last one I came up with, which I think is my favorite, but I don't love it. I wish I had worked ejaculation into there somewhere oh i can't always read e erratic moviegoers erratic ejaculations and eyeball snacks oh there we go that's a good one Uh, but my rated p was penises no i'm just kidding popcorn projectors and pickled eyes yeah i like those but do you Uh like the only the only thing i would say about that do you feel like that's a spoiler because of the beginning when we were talking about eyeballs you're like shh I know. I know. So I was like, that's the only qualms I would have about them. Not that I don't like them, because I do. Or we could just say pickles. And And pickles, pickles. question mark. And pickles? (laughs) Oh, that is funny. Yeah. Popcorn projectors and pickles? Pickles? Yeah, I like that. It was a group effort today, guys. Yeah. Sometimes it'd be like that. Um, and last question, Britt, would you recommend this movie? I would. Yeah, I would. I would say to a to a fellow horror fan, absolutely. Um, I don't. If you're not into horror movies, you know, I don't know if I would recommend it to just anybody. But yeah, a fellow horror fan, I think they dig it. I feel like this movie surprisingly would get a wider audience liking it. For something tells me, like, I feel like it's a good popcorn movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, like, I do feel like, I feel like people probably would like it that I wouldn't regularly recommend. Because it's not, other than maybe the hand job jokes, it's not horribly sexual either. Yeah. Which I feel like a lot of these kinds of movies would have people, like, full on, like, having sex in the project. Like, Anna would have a boyfriend that she's fucking in the projection booth or something like that. Yeah. And it would be full on, like, exploitation. But instead it's, like, you see Gabrielle, like, hands over the pants. But then, like, when he's actually coming, like, you don't actually see anything. But you see the aftermath. And I felt like it was restrained enough that... I could, like, most people would just laugh about it because it is kind of funny. Yeah. I would say definitely check it out, guys. Yeah. But with that, I think it's time to pick next week's movie. Right, Brett? Yeah. Uh, so Katie and me talked about this a little bit in advance. We were going in between two. I ended up going with one because I'm holding out just in case Katie wants to pick the other one as her movie of, like, the next week or two. So we are going to do Summer of 84. It is on Shudder. It was a Sundance picture as well which i was incidentally yes. talking about sundance this week so i just thought it'd be fitting so yeah and it's very strangers things vibe yes that's what a lot Apparently. of people a lot of people have said like if you like stranger things check out summer of 84 and because we're big stranger things people here i feel like it would be a good pick for us but yeah i think with that because i can i know i'm loopy i can sense maybe katie's a little loopy too I think, i'm a little loopy i think we're gonna Katie say our good nights <laughs> I am so loopy right now. I can't even, like, imagine saying anything that we didn't say last week. But keep your spirits up. Watch lots of spooky movies. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying with us. We love you so much. Take care of your fur babies. Send us cute pictures of them. We'll keep updating our fur baby Fridays. Remember, uh, it'll not be next week, but the week after. And the fall, we'll be doing episodes every week, but... It'll be slightly modified, and we'll talk about that more when it gets closer to fall. But be good to one another. Uh, Wash your hands. Take your vitamins. Wear your masks, because everyone I know is getting COVID. So, and test yourself if you think you've been exposed, because that's the best way to prevent. But if you, apparently there might be a second booster coming out. So, if you can get that, get that. And am I forgetting anything, Britt? No, I I was about to say, so my soapbox of the night, which is my soapbox every day, is guys, please, 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 please spade and neuter your pets. Um, Our local shelter uh, in the city that 
me and Katie live in, uh, they have over 700 animals in their care right now, which is absolutely and insane. there's a national crisis yeah. with shelters being absolutely overrun with pets. Yeah. If you guys are working at home at this point, I do know a few people who are still working at home. Please consider fostering. Please, please, please. Like, mm-hmm. we foster kittens before. They are not hard to foster if you need something really low-key. Just donate. Hey, if you guys have, like, old comforters or something, just remember to donate. Um, if your dog doesn't like a certain brand of food, they don't eat it, donate the bag. Shelters are overrun. The workers are over exhausted, And it is a true epidemic. So, please keep that in mind. And um, if you're local yes. to our area, uh, reach out to the podcast. Because me and Katie both would have recommendations on where you get low-cost spade and neutering done. So, that's just going to be my soapbox of the night. Yes. Please take care of those fur kids. Yes. So... Um, with that I think we'll have to bid y'all adieu yes thank you guys we love you all thank you for your support like comment love share uh, recommendations we appreciate each and every one of you and as always yes, yes. we just look forward to seeing you in the next couple of weeks same spooky time same spooky channel so yep <laughs> stay, stay spooky y'all bye what, what? night everybody bye, bye Katie bye Gizmo Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.